When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hello again, everybody. Welcome into Gamecock Central Radio. Emerson Phillips joined by Matt O'Brien. We're going to break down this Gamecock loss to Texas A&M. 35-28 was the final on Saturday. And some positives to talk about, but some negatives as well. Matt, good to be with you again today. How are you, partner? I'm doing all right. How are you doing, Emerson? Everything's good. You know, Gamecock fans are a little disappointed with the loss to A&M, obviously. But I think uh, spirits are pretty high, all things considered, because... The Gamecocks were prohibitive underdogs in this ball game, and we had a tie game at halftime. Ended up being a pretty tight contest. Yeah, you know, they, they entered the game uh, big-time underdogs by the media and from and fans and uh, analysts alike. But, uh, you know, the team was really confident. They thought that they matched up pretty well with the team. And, and, you know, Coach Elliott, with his energy and enthusiasm, he had the team believing that they could go in to a hostile crowd at Kyle Field and pull off the victory. Um, now, there is no such thing as moral victories. Uh, the Gamecocks did lose, but... Late in the game, they were in it. They could have won it, but they simply just fell short. Matt's got a column this week on Gamecock Central, X's and O's. Very interesting, a lot of information. You're really going to enjoy reading his article because it's very insightful and a lot of uh, kind of inside take on you know what the Gamecocks did Saturday against Texas A&M and why they came up seven points short in this ball game. So for a limited time, new Gamecock Central subscribers can get 55 days of free premium access. You can follow the coaching search, read in-depth recruiting reports, and get the very best analysis of Gamecock football. It's 55 free days. Just go to the Gamecock Central homepage to get signed up. Emerson Phillips and Matt O'Brien. Matt, let's start with the Gamecock defense here. And Kyler Murray, the high school sensation out of Allen, Texas, got his first college start for A&M. He had a appeared in five games previously for the Aggies, but he had not started a game until Saturday, and this was kind of a new uh, situation for Texas A&M. We didn't find out until late in the week that he would start, and he was very good. Yeah, you know, Kyler Murray is one of those guys who was one of the top prospects at the position coming out of high school, but in the eyes of uh, Texas fans, Texas high school football fans, he's one of the best football players of all time from the state, right up there with Earl Campbell and Adrian Peterson. He had over 150 uh, touchdowns in high school. He was an Under Armour All-American in both uh, football and baseball the kid was just a tremendous athlete and of course his father played at texas a&m so he was raised into the game he he learned all the tricks from his father and uh we saw on saturday uh how polished he was as a true freshman uh making his first start a&m produced a season high 544 yards including 321 on the ground matt and kyler murray was obviously uh, the central figure here, he ran 20 times for 156 yards and a touchdown, and the Aggies also got 122 yards and a TD on the ground from their running back, Trey Carson. So you know, Gamecock struggles defensively against the run continue. 
Yeah, you know, I, I thought the use of the 4-1 and the 4-2 fronts just invited Murray and the Texas A&M offense to run that read option, uh, that downhill rushing attack, of course, with James White and Trey Carson. They combined for over 150 yards. Uh, but Murray really, really uh, killed the Gamecock defense with his legs. And uh, he would just take off running, and he was finding open windows in the lanes. And one thing that I noticed, especially with the 4-1 fronts, is when I say they were inviting Kyler Murray to run, they really were. And uh, Andre Ware, the uh, analyst, the color commentator, he, uh, he made a good point saying the Gamecocks line up and do the same thing over and over again. And it was with those 4-1 fronts that the, that the Texas A&M offense seemed to have an automatic kind of check to those QB design runs. Kyler Murray would get the snap and he'd just take off up the middle. And really there was nothing Sky Moore or the other inside linebackers could do with two or three offensive linemen running at them. It was giving Murray huge lanes to run through and he uh, he capitalized. Yeah, he was very mobile. He looked very impressive, particularly considering it was first college start. And uh, Matt, not only was the rushing attack a problem for the Gamecock defense, Murray effective throwing the football as well. High completion percentage, 20 of 28 through the air for 223 yards. One touchdown, and I think perhaps most impressively with Murray, he did not turn the football over in this ball game. So the Gamecocks unable to create turnovers. And you mentioned in your column this week on Gamecock Central that covering slants, slant routes in the passing game has been a big problem for South Carolina this year, and that was the case again Saturday against A&M. Yeah, you know, that's been a consistent theme that we've seen uh, from the Gamecocks this season. And it's, it's one of the more frustrating aspects of the many frustrating aspects of watching the South Carolina defense. It's just those huge open windows at the hash marks that allow for those easy inside slants. There's really nothing our corners or the linebackers can do with those giant windows because of the scheme, how they're set up. It's, they're kind of designed for failure in that regard. Uh, if they go too wide to protect the slant, the quarterback will check those inside runs like we saw. But Kyler Murray... He just uh, he didn't he didn't attack over the top of the South Carolina defense um, like many expected to with those big receivers Josh Reynolds and Ricky Seals Jones but because of the extra attention over the top it allowed those huge windows and Ricky Seals Jones and Josh Reynolds had a day they also combined for over 150 yards and of course Josh Reynolds had that wide open touchdown on that uh, that it was, it, I'd call it a slant hybrid post move uh, but he scored it, it there was no one even on him. It was wide open, and they killed us on that all game. Yeah, we talked last week about how good the A&M wide receiver core is, and they lived up to that billing Saturday, didn't they? So, uh, Matt, the covering the slants, part and parcel of a bigger problem, which seems to be the Gamecocks' defensive scheme as a whole. And you talked about Andre Ware, the SEC Network analyst, being very critical of the Gamecock defensive scheme during the TV broadcast on Saturday. And I talked with Scott Davis earlier in the week here on Gamecock Central about this exact matter. Andre Ware, very critical of the Gamecock defensive scheme. It wasn't players individually that he was calling out. It was the scheme as a whole. Yeah, and, and you know, you can't really fault the players because they're kind of lining up and doing what they're taught to do. And when you're coming out in those 4-1, 4-2 fronts and you're not shifting or slanting the defensive tackles and the defensive ends the right way, it kind of allows the offense to just do what they do. It's very simple to read the defense, and it doesn't complicate things, which is especially critical when you're going against a true freshman quarterback like Kyler Murray. You have to make him think, and the, the Gamecocks failed to do that on Saturday. And despite the Gamecock defensive problems, Matt, they did come up with three consecutive stops in the fourth quarter when South Carolina was still you know, in the ball game and trying to find a way to, to score late and tie it. And uh, the Gamecock defense forced three straight punts. 
by a Texas A&M. So there were some positives here, and one of those was defensive end Darius English, who you pointed out in your column this week had a sack for the second game in a row. Yeah, you know, Darius English is, uh, is one of those guys who's been criticized over the past few years for not fully developing, and I think that's just unfair to him. Uh, he's obviously a tremendous athlete. He was a great high school player. I believe he was uh, the co-player of the year in 6A in Georgia high school football. So he's obviously very talented. Uh, unfortunately, he just hasn't developed the way that many thought he would, and I think that's in large part due to coaching. You, and, you, and it's not just with Darius English. It's with the other defensive linemen as well. They just seem to line up, and they don't have the technique needed to succeed at the SEC level or really any level in Division One football, uh, whether it be SEC or even the mid, mid-major conferences. Um, they don't have any of those natural pass moves that I saw from guys like Melvin Ingram, Devin Taylor, uh, guys like that, guys who were talented, but also guys who were just solid contributors to the team, guys like Byron Gerardo and Aldrick Ford, who I also played with. They went out there, they had high motors, they played with great technique that they were taught from from Brad Loing, and uh, they played above their talent level. And that, that I just don't see from the defensive line. Uh, another thing that frustrates me with the defensive line, and this is something that a lot of fans have seen, a lot of analysts as well, is the failure to move around the unit. They obviously don't shift like I discussed, but to have a guy like Dante Sawyer, who I believe is one of the more talented players in the conference, and just line him up and do the same thing over and over again, kind of make him ineffective in a way. It takes away from his, his talents and his versatility. He's a guy who can not only play over the middle as a defensive tackle like he is, but he could play as a defensive end. He could even stand up and rush and really pick apart the weakest link of offensive lines. And uh, that's just something that the Gamecock defense, they just don't use. All right, let's talk more about the defense in a moment here. I want to find out you know, some possible changes that South Carolina Mike could make to get a little bit better defensively. This is Gamecock Central Radio, Emerson Phillips with Matt O'Brien. You can get breaking Gamecock news alerts delivered to your email inbox. Just text USC to 42828. Text USC to 42828 or simply go to the Gamecock Central homepage. Matt, uh, let's talk about the Gamecock offense for a moment here. You like the game plan from G.A. Mangus, and I felt like you know we saw some different looks. Uh, the play that stands out was the double reverse to Lorenzo Nunez that went for a seven-yard TD. So we saw some different things out of the Gamecock offense. They're trying to change things up. Yeah, and you know, if you talk to any of the uh, former Gamecock quarterbacks like I do often uh, – They'll all tell you the same thing, and that's that G.A. Manx can call some plays. He's a, uh, he's a tremendous uh, kind of self-scouter. He understands what each of his quarterbacks can do well, and he'll build a game plan that suits their, uh, their, their best traits. Um, for a guy like Orth, he was out there making plays with his arm and his legs, and the, the Texas A&M defense just didn't expect it. And then he went ahead and threw in Lorenzo Nunez into the mix and kind of let his athleticism show on that little reverse trick play that Nunez eventually kept and scored a touchdown on. And uh, I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that formation yet again later on in the season. And uh, perhaps even use Lorenzo Nunez as a little bit of wide receiver as well. I was going to ask you about Nunez. What kind of role do you see for him moving forward? We did not see him at quarterback. Perry Orth went the entire way for South Carolina and – uh, do you expect to see Nunez back in at QB in certain situations? What about Farrell Cooper and the Wildcat? We didn't see either of these Saturday against A&M. It was Perry Orth all the way. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Coach G.A. Mangus built a comfortable game plan that, or a game plan he felt comfortable with uh, with Orth in the offense. He felt that he could manage the offense properly. Uh, Lorenzo Nunez didn't make any appearances at quarterback, but he did have that one play. I think you will see um, a little bit more of a role from him, and it will probably be in those same packages. But don't be surprised if they call in some Wildcats with Nunez and Cooper on the field at the same time. 
And the thing is that Lorenzo Nunez is a terrific athlete. He could even line up at wide receiver. Uh, so don't be surprised if you see Farrell Cooper come into the backfield at quarterback, run the wildcat while, while Lorenzo Nunez is out wide. It's sort of a, uh, a distraction for the defense. Very good. We saw Orth go the distance against Texas A&M, and he showed that he could be a dual-threat quarterback in his own right. I don't think that we expected to see a lot of running out of Perry Orth, but there he was with a 66-yard run, and that was a, a play calling. That was a scheme issue that allowed that play to happen, Matt. Talk about the Orth run and his ability as a runner overall. Yeah, you know, Orth is a, he's a good athlete, obviously. His running is not his strong suit, but as you saw on Saturday, he can make some things happen if the defense is not paying attention. Uh, the Texas A&M offense was obviously keying in on other players. They sort of just let that, that play go as, uh, as if they're going to beat us, they can beat us with the run, but they didn't expect Perry Orth to take off for over 60 yards. And it was funny when I, when I rewatched the game, I noticed when Orth got to around the 40-yard mark, he uh, kept expecting to be caught. He was, he was kind of <laughs> surprised himself, I think, that he was still running free. All right, speaking of the Gamecock running game, Brandon Wilds, impressive again Saturday, 17 carries, 128 yards, and a touchdown, and that's his second straight 100-yard game. So it's good for the Gamecock offense to have Brandon Wilds back healthy again and looking 100%. Yeah, you know, Brandon Wilds, when he's healthy – is one of the better backs in the conference, and I and I truthfully mean that. Brandon came in as a bit of an underrated prospect, but he came in as a freshman and and really opened Coach Spurrier's eyes. I remember he was uh he was so high high, high praise for Brandon uh, when he first came in. He didn't really expect him, I think, to come in and be the as talented and, and as smart of a player that he is. Uh, now Brandon was obviously he has some injury issues throughout his career. But when he's healthy, as you saw on Saturday, he can, he can be quite dangerous. And the thing I really like about Brandon is that he's not just a runner. Uh, he's not just a guy that gets the ball and he'll, he'll look for open lanes. He excels in all three areas of the game, and that's, that's running with the ball, that's catching the ball, and that's blocking. And he threw some blocks on Saturday that uh, NFL scouts will love. And I'm not sure where exactly they have him rated. He's probably a day three guy. But uh, he threw some blocks that will open your eyes. Matt, the latter portion of this Texas A&M loss on Saturday kind of reminded me of the end of the Kentucky game. Uh, when we're talking about Perry Orth here, you know, he threw the two second-half interceptions against A&M. He also threw a late pick that cost Carolina a chance against Kentucky. And uh, while Orth has been impressive, I think we're all pleased with his ability, his progress, his development. You know, he's made a couple of key mistakes that have cost the Gamecocks some chances to win uh, both those ball games, Kentucky and A&M. Yeah, you know, Perry Orth, he came out with confidence. He was out there slinging the ball. He did a good job of making his reads. Unfortunately, in the second half, when he threw that interception, that pick six, uh, I think that really rattled his confidence and threw him off uh, the rest of the game. Uh, you saw him struggle making his reads, and then later on in that second interception, he made that same throw that was intercepted for the touchdown earlier on. So I think he was kind of overthinking it. He wasn't able to uh, make his reads properly and play with full confidence. And he took, he took sacks at times when he had to get rid of the ball late in the game. Um, he just didn't seem to have the composure needed to drive the team to win in a hostile environment. But uh, overall, I think it was, a, it was a good performance for Perry Orth. He came out and he gave the team uh, some, good, some good early on throws. But like I said, in the second half, it just, uh, it just didn't work for him. Matt, um, 
noticeably quiet in this game on Saturday for the Gamecock offense. Farrow Cooper, only four catches for 22 yards. He did have a couple of carries, but got to be the least productive day of the year for Farrow Cooper. First team All-SEC receiver selection. And also uh, tight end Jarrell Adams. Neither much involved in the Gamecock attack on Saturday. And that's going to have to change moving forward if the Gamecocks are going to find some more wins with four games left on the schedule. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Emerson. Uh, Farrell Cooper, to get six touches in that game, that, that hostile environment on the road SEC game, to me just isn't enough. I know Coach G.A. Mings had a good game plan, but I think they need to do a better job of getting him more involved, whether it be on those reverses or bring him in at Wildcat. Uh, he's obviously best at receiver. You kind of line him up in the slot and just get him the ball, watch him do his thing. Uh, and then Jarrell Adams, I mean, one catch for one yard – the guy is six foot six, two hundred thirty pounds, and provides a mismatch for just about any linebacker over the middle. He's a guy that needs targets. He's someone that can move the chains, get those first downs, especially on those those third and sevens, third and eights. He's a guy that should be the number one target for Perry Orth or whoever's at quarterback. Um, and like I said, just one catch for one yard, it just isn't enough for me. He and Farrell Cooper need to be more involved moving forward. Emerson Phillips with Matt O'Brien here on Gamecock Central Radio. Appreciate you joining us today. We're recapping this 35-28 South Carolina loss to Texas A&M. And Gamecock Central Radio has got a new Android app. All you got to do is search Gamecock Central Radio. We've also got a new iPhone app coming out soon. And we're on iTunes. Simply search Gamecock Central Radio. Matt, back to the defense now for South Carolina. Just no game plan really in place, it seemed, to account for the running ability of Kyler Murray. Uh, while Murray had not started a game, I think we knew that he was a very capable runner, and there didn't appear, appear to be much accounting for that with the Gamecock defensive scheme. So let's go back to the defense and talk about some changes that you think the Gamecock staff might can make to help improve the defense against mobile quarterbacks because the Gamecocks have still got to face Josh Dobbs from Tennessee. They've got Trayon Harris from Florida and Deshaun Watson, obviously, from Clemson. Still to come on the schedule. Just two things right off the bat that can help is getting away from that four-man uh, with with one linebacker or two linebacker fronts and also getting the safeties up closer to the line of scrimmage. If you have a running uh, threat at quarterback, a guy who's going to run the read option and stuff like that, you can have your safeties back because the linebacker is going to be highly stressed to focus on that running back. The defensive end is going to be cut out wide. That leaves a huge lane that a safety needs to fill, and they simply cannot if they're playing 15, 20 yards off the ball. I saw a bunch of instances on Saturday where Isaiah Johnson was coming down from 20 yards plus, and it was tough for him to take an angle. I saw him miss a tackle on Kyler Murray, where Kyler Murray went up the sideline and gave him a little stutter step. But in my opinion, you just can't put Isaiah Johnson in that kind of situation to fail. He's a great player. He's, he's been tremendous for the Gamecocks this year in his first year since transferring from Kansas. But to have a guy like that playing 20 yards off the ball against a quarterback who runs, to me, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. On top of that, the, the defensive line has to start mixing things up. You could use a five-man front, obviously, against a team like Texas A&M in their, in their three, four wide receiver sets. You couldn't do that. But a team like uh, Tennessee, I think you should definitely see more of that uh, next week. All right, Matt. Uh, the Gamecocks' inability to stop the run this year has led to down and distance problems. You know, it seems to me it's no secret that South Carolina's inability to produce turnovers this year is a direct result of down and distance problems. You know, South Carolina giving up yards on the ground on first and second down. If Carolina could put teams in more obvious passing situations, third and eight, 
Third and nine, third and ten, maybe the defense will be able to come up with some more takeaways. So how is South Carolina going to be able to do that moving forward? Well, the way our secondary has played, they've been playing, you know, that softer coverage. So I don't think you can count on them to be the, the primary um, candidates to, to lead for t- takeaways and interceptions in that, in that matter. But I think that the linebackers who have been the bread and butter, so to say, of uh, creating takeaways for the defense uh, needs to be put, put in better better position to succeed uh, in terms of dropping back into those zones. You know, they were so worried because they were playing only with one or two other linebackers in the box that they were so stressed out by Murray's legs that they were kind of playing closer to line of scrimmage, which caused them to get sucked up into the coverage. And what happened was is they weren't able to drop deep enough into the necessary windows to pick off balls. Uh, I saw one on the uh, Josh Reynolds touchdown where Sky Moore got sucked in as well as uh, TJ Holloman. And uh, Josh Reynolds went right inside Chris LeMond's. And there was a huge window. I think that if they weren't as stressed out about Murray's legs, they would have been able to drop back further where they should have been and picked off the ball. Matt, we've been critical of the Gamecock defense, but the bottom line is that they did produce three consecutive stops in the fourth quarter, and they did give South Carolina an opportunity to uh, score and tie this game, maybe win it late. So we've been critical of the defense, but they did play well in the fourth quarter, and that's something positive uh, looking ahead to the final month. Oh, absolutely, and I, I don't mean to be sound or sound overly negative of the defense. To give the South Carolina team a chance to win and put the off, offense back on the field to put points up on the board uh, late in the game like that is, is just tremendous, especially out on the road in a hostile environment against a, a high-powered and talented offense like Texas A&M. Darius English and some of the other defensive line, the defensive linemen uh, showed some promise. They just didn't do it on a consistent enough basis, and that, that to me just uh, goes back to the technique and all and all that stuff and all those deficiencies. But there are definitely some positives. I think that they look at this tape and they just understand that they, they cannot play with those two deep safeties and those five-man boxes and expect to stop rushing quarterbacks like you'll see moving forward. But uh, overall, given the offense and the team a chance to win, I thought the Gamecocks defense did a, did a good job of that. I know you like Dante Sawyer at defensive line. Talk about how he might be better used moving ahead. Yeah, Dante Sawyer is uh, was one of the best recruits they got this past year. Uh, he's he's just a tremendous athlete. He's one of those guys that has a good motor. He's uh he's got a good powerful build, but he has longer arms, which could create create separation between he and offensive linemen. Uh, they just don't move him around enough. He, he's kind of lined up in the same stance every time, doing the same slant right into the lineman. They know what they're expecting from him, so it makes him easier to uh, to block and account for from the offensive game plan. If they were to move him around, put him put him wide outside the offensive tackle, maybe even stand him up over the center, it'll cause the quarterback and the offensive line to think, which will cause some hiccups in that offense. And uh, the, the Texas A&M defensive line, I thought our I thought our offensive line, the South Carolina offensive line, did a good job against them. But especially in the run game, uh, there were times in the passing game when the offensive line kind of failed. But one thing I liked that the Texas A&M defensive line did is they did those quick shifts as soon as Perry Orth got ready to snap the ball. And doing those shifts forced the South Carolina offensive lineman to jump. I saw the tackles jump, I think it was three times on the game, calls false starts. And it's just those little things that South Carolina could do, but that they just don't seem to do it. All right, it'll be interesting to see what the Gamecock defensive staff does to try to get some better results over these final four games of the regular season here. Final score this past Saturday, Texas A&M 35, South Carolina 28. It was the Gamecocks' first ever trip to College Station and a pretty good effort 
by the Gamecocks, but they did come up short. And South Carolina now three and five on the year, one and five in SEC play. And Matt, now we've got a road trip to Tennessee coming up on Saturday, four o'clock kickoff in Knoxville. The Volunteers with some mixed results of their own this year. They're four and four overall, two and three in conference play, but coming off of an impressive win Saturday night over Kentucky. Uh, they dropped over 50 points on Kentucky, and they scored two special teams touchdowns. And in Sean Elliott's uh, press conference today, he talked about Tennessee special teams and what a role they could play in this game on Saturday. Tennessee, very good on special teams. When you look at the Tennessee Volunteers as a whole, they're just a tough, energetic team with a lot of young, talented playmakers. They've obviously recruited well over the past few years, and it shows on the field. These guys play with confidence, swagger, and they're just out there having fun. Now, I know you look at them and you go, they're 4-4, four and four. how good could they be? Their four losses came by a total of 17 points to some pretty good teams. So they've been within those games. They could have won. They just couldn't pull it out in the end. This is an improving program. This is an improving team. Head coach Butch Jones has them headed in the right direction, and it stems from recruiting. I look at the raw offense, and you have guys like Joshua Dobbs, an athletic electric runner at quarterback. He can also throw the ball. And then you have a two-headed attack at running back in Jalen Hurd, who's one of my favorite players to watch in all college football, as well as Alabama transfer Alvin Kamara at running back. They move him around a lot. They do a good job. The wide receivers are also talented. And then you look at the defense, and they got Derek Barnett, who's perhaps one of the best defensive ends in all of college football. He finished second in the SEC among freshmen to Miles Garrett, who we saw last week, in sacks. But I think Barnett has progressed a little better than, than Garrett has. Barnett plays a little bit of tackle, a little bit of end. They'll move him around like I think we should move Dante Sawyer. But they also have some players in the back end. Their linebacker, Jalen Reeves-Maben, is one of the best linebackers. He's one of the most active linebackers I've seen in the SEC this year. And then, like you were talking about, Emerson, uh, on special teams, they got a return man by the name of Evan Berry. Uh, he's a little brother of Eric Berry. Uh, as you know, he was a tremendous player for the Tennessee Volunteers. He's returned three kickoffs for touchdowns this year. He'll likely be an All-American kick returner. Uh, the South Carolina kicker cannot uh, send it his way on Saturday. Yeah, that'll be a point of emphasis for certain for the Gamecock football team coming up on Saturday. Right, Eric Berry, a first-round pick, a top-ten pick of the Kansas City Chiefs several years ago and a Tennessee football legend. Four o'clock kick in Knoxville at Neyland Stadium, South Carolina and Tennessee. Another SEC East matchup, and this will be the final road game of the year for the Gamecocks. So, Matt, give us a quick uh, take on what might happen on Saturday and what you expect to see. Yeah, you know, uh, like many of the games with Tennessee in the past or in the recent past, I, th- I expect it to be a close battle. I expect Sean Elliott to once again have the team to come out with energy. But uh, against a Tennessee team with that much talent, they have to do things differently or else we're, we won't see anything uh, different in the results. They have some uh, obvious weapons on offense. Josh Dobbs is one of the better runners in the country at quarterback. He's truly electric. When you watch him on tape, he looks like a deer running the ball, especially when he hits that edge. A little bit different than Kyler Murray, but a running threat nonetheless. And Jalen Hurd's one of the better running backs. So they're going to lean on those two guys. South Carolina should bring the safeties in, probably play a five-man front, and really force them to throw. I mean, I've, I've always been taught you never beat me with your best. So South Carolina should kind of change up the defensive game plan for this week. If they don't, I don't expect to see anything different. Dobbs sort of had a coming out party last year against the Gamecocks, leading two late Tennessee scores to help the Volunteers steal one at Williams-Brice. And Tennessee has beaten South Carolina each of the last two years, Matt. It's been a problem team for the Gamecocks. Yeah, you know, uh, head coach Butch Jones, I think he's got them headed in the right direction. There's always been talk about him being on the hot seat, but it's just about bringing in the talented enough players to, to compete on a week-to-week basis. With bringing in guys like we talked about, Hurd, Kamara, 
Barnett, Reeves, Mabin, Cam Sutton, guys like that. They're just a truly talented team. And, and you look across the board of their depth chart, and it's all sophomore, freshmen. They got a few juniors peppered in there, but it's a lot of young kids. They're definitely headed in the right direction, and South Carolina needs to win this game or the next one or else uh, this rivalry will come out of reach. Expert analysis here from Matt O'Brien. He's a production assistant with NBC Sports. He works on Football Night in America. That's the Sunday night NFL game on NBC. He also works with Pro Football Talk and Fantasy Football Live, and he's a former Gamecock walk-on football player, played for the Gamecocks in 2010 and 2011. Good stuff today, Matt. We appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you for having me, Emerson. It's been fun. Matt O'Brien, you can hit him up on Twitter at Matt O.B. Scout. Hit him on Twitter at Matt O.B. Scout. And I'm Emerson Phillips. You can hit me up on Twitter. We welcome your feedback, your questions, your input. At Emerson Phillips is my Twitter handle. It's one M and two L's. Hit me up on Twitter at Emerson Phillips. And we'll do it again next week here on Gamecock Central Radio. Thanks for joining us. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 